We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Spinning what, 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 is Sabonis. Oh, oh, Miles oh, Turner bringing that smoke. And now McDermott again right to the rim with authority. Robin gets around. Blumford skies high for the jam. Warren lets it fly. Yes! T.J. Warren is not human. What's going on, everybody? There is no need to do an introduction today because we are fired up. Fachi, my goodness, man. What an absolute disaster of an outcome for the Indiana Pacers with the All-Star News. Alex, I am disgusted. An absolute crime was committed tonight when they left DeMontis Sabonis off the All-Star list. I need to know what is the criteria here because... Everyone's blowing up my phone saying, no Sabonis, no Sabonis. In my day, in our day, and I feel like an old man out here, you used to reward winning, and Sabonis has all the numbers to back it up. This was a crime. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at last year's All-Stars, if you look at the 12 that made it, only the 12 that made it were picked from the top six teams in the Eastern Conference. Look, I get it. This is a weird year. It's, it's a COVID season. There's been a lot of cancellation of games. There's been a lot of injuries. There's been a lot of weirdness going on. But to look at this Indiana Pacers team sitting fourth in the Eastern Conference and to be like, nope, there's a guy that's uh, playing a little bit better who's on a 13 and 18 Orlando Magic team that we're going to put over him. Now, it, it doesn't make any sense, Fachi. I mean, I, I, nothing against Vooch. He's a good player, but good grief. Uh, you know, they didn't put Bradley Beal on last year, uh, and he had a better year uh, overall. Then, then probably Vooch is having right now. Exactly. And look, I don't want to make this about targeting Vooch, but at the same point, the Magic are sitting 12th in the East. They are having a horrible year. There is some straight-up garbage starting next to Vucevic in the starting lineup. Guys like Gary Clark that you forget are even in the league. No offense to Gary Clark. I know you'll take it offensive. I'm sorry. But listen, it's Vucic. I mean – 
<laughs> Dwayne Bacon. I mean, someone has to put up great stats on that team. Vooch is a really good player. He is. But when it comes to snubs, that's where he should have been here. Because I just feel like, yes, he is having a good year. But Sabonis is doing this on a winning team, a top four team. The very first player in NBA history to average over 20 10 and 5 and not make the All-Star game. Well, Alex, I'm going to take it a little bit further. He's doing that on a winning team. He's shooting above 50%, nearly 53%. He is number two in the NBA in double-doubles. I don't know how much more the man can do. He is one of the best screen setters in the league. He leads the league in passes made. That's how important he is to this team and winning and to snub him, but not only to not even list him in the snubs by Shams was just even more disrespect. Yeah, add, add fuel to the fire. Victor Ladipo's buddy doesn't happen to add Sabonis. Oh, come on. We know that was intentional. Exactly. I mean, oh, if, if, if Oladipo was on the Pacers right now, you don't think Shams would have tweeted out Sabonis' name? Give me a break. And, you know, if we're not going to reward winning this year, you know, based on how these coaches voted, I'm sorry. But Ben Simmons has had a worse season than he had last year. He's regressed points per game, steals per game, assists per game. It's uh, shooting percentage is even down. And we're rewarding this guy. Look, I'm not saying Ben Simmons isn't a good player. And the 76ers are the number one team in the Eastern Conference right now. But my goodness, Sabonis' numbers jumped. Better numbers on points, more assists this year. Uh, better defense, actually, with, with steals and blocks if you're looking at the box score. The rebounds did take a dip, but he's still averaging 11.6 rebounds. And the minutes per game have gone up for him. And he's been healthy for most of the game. So, it, to me, it's just a travesty. I'm sorry. There's no clear, like, there's no clear way these coaches pick. They just basically threw a dart at the board and picked the guys that felt like should make it. And it didn't seem like they cared about winning. And they didn't really seem to care about uh, progression or regression. I completely agree there. Another thing to throw in there, Sabonis shooting far better from three-point percentage this year. He's getting to the line more. I mean, I just feel like in terms of the Ben Simmons thing, I think if you interview 10 people that are diehard watching the NBA all the time, you said, did Ben Simmons get better this year? All of them would have to say no. He has still not added any jumper to his game. Okay, I get it. You're rewarding winning in this occasion then why aren't you doing it in the Pacer situation with Sabonis? I feel like it's almost at a point where it's like, if you're going to grab two all-stars on, on the Sixers, I mean, even Tobias Harris is having a much better year than in the past. You can make an argument that he's having a career year, but Ben Simmons is not. And I, I don't know if this is a product of the moment where Simmons is coming off of a, a hot week where he had a career high in points a couple games ago and Sabonis is coming off of a stretch where he wasn't you know as dominant as in the beginning of the year I don't know what exactly it was but it just feels like robbery right now because the Pacers would not be in the position that they're in if Sabonis was not doing what he is doing with him being without Karis LeVert and TJ1 and having a winning record being in the fourth spot I feel like that's something that you reward. And it just feels like today that was just completely lost. And I, I, it just, I remember a time when the Atlanta Hawks, because they had the best record in the NBA, had four all-stars 
and one of them was Kyle Korver averaging 11 points per game. That was rewarding winning. In this situation this year, I feel like they had no idea what they There was no rhyme or reason. No, it, it, it was really chaotic. And, you know, there are guys that I'm happy that got in, like Zach Levine. I think he's really deserving. He, he deserved it. Same with Julius Randle. I think mm-hmm. he was a guy that was really deserving, and he's really taken a step forward. And the Knicks are actually playing competent basketball. Um, I just have to say right now as we're, as we're talking, um, our, our friend Stephen Cameron, who hosts the Close-Up Magic podcast, is tweeting at Setting the Pace saying, that it's not that drastic that uh, Vucevic got in over Sabonis because they only have two more wins. And I threw in there, I said, yeah, but you have four more losses. And, you know, your team's not even that good. So, like, it's okay. Like, the Pacers are fourth in the Eastern Conference, and they've been struggling, okay? They've not – they don't have a winning record at home. They traded away one of their best players in the middle of the season, and they're without two of their other key guys. So, yes – Sabonis and Brogdon have had to pick up the load. But at the same time, you know, when they struggle, it just gets pointed out like, oh, they struggled at the worst time. Who cares? I think Boston's not been playing well. They've lost four of their or six of their last 10. They're at 500. The Raptors just passed them up and they got two all stars. Mm-hmm. Look, it, it, it doesn't make any sense to me why Sabonis, why at least one pace, not even just Sabonis, but Yes, Sabonis. Why one Pacer is not representing in the in the Eastern Conference reserves? And to be honest with you, I I really don't even hope if they have an injury reserve or a guy that opts out. I hope that the Pacers refuse to go. Yeah, I mean, right now, Alex, I got a question for you. Do you think things would have been different if the All Star Game was still in Indiana? I'm curious to know if the coaches would have leaned a different way to have representation in that game. Uh, you see, that's a good point because I was thinking about that today. It's not only did the Pacers lose out on the All-Star game, they lost out on someone making the All-Star team. And Sabonis actually has incentives in his contract to yep. make the All-Star game. So he's going to be out $1.3 million in bonuses because mm-hmm. he gets snubbed because of this childish decision of putting Nikola Vucevic in over Sabonis. Okay, I'm being a little dramatic saying childish, but <laughs> you know what I mean. It, it's yes. frustrating for sure. But what I will say is I think that if the Pacers were hosting the game, it would be very similar to when Kemba Walker got into the game for the Hornets. Yep. Uh, it, I think they would have probably gotten in. And unfortunately, it's like, look, these coaches, I, I don't know who's voting for what. Maybe the Western Conference coaches don't have a clue what they're voting on. But if you watch these coaches and how they've coached against the Pacers, I wonder, too, Pachi, let me ask you this real quick. Because we've only played 29 games and we haven't faced every team, do you think that some of these coaches might necessarily have not voted for him because they haven't got a chance to see him in person yet? It's very possible. I mean, it, this is a different schedule this year than ever before. So it is very possible that, you know, seeing someone in live action going up against them could, could sway your vote very easily. And a lot of the Western Conference teams have not seen Sabonis this year. No, and, and what annoys me is – Look, I'm not going to sit here and get all, like, worked up for the rest of my day because I didn't make the All-Star game. It is what it is, but I just feel like had this been uh, another team, like, I'm fine. Like, Miami didn't get any All-Stars, even though they had great years last year. You know, Gordon Hayward didn't make it. He was, you know, someone that was considered. I'm glad Trey Young didn't make it. Uh, I don't think a lot of people like him, but it's just one of those things where I just see all these coaches that have played against the Pacers, and what have they done? They've literally tried their best to take the ball out of Sabonis' hand and force the other guys to beat them. You can say what you want about Sabonis, but if you're literally game planning to stop that guy, 
every single night, and he is the hub of the offense 95% of the time when he's on the floor, I think that that speaks dividends to how good of a player he is and how important he is to his team. I, I really think so. I mean, he's obviously a major part of every game plan, night in, night out. That's why when we talked about – you know, guys, like I understand Julius Randle making the All-Star game. I mean, he is the reason why the Knicks have climbed out from the depths of the conference for years to being close to 500. I wouldn't have even had that much of a bone to pick if Chris Middleton made it because the Bucks have a winning record. Middleton's having a career year. He's shooting basically 50, 40, 90 on the year. I mean, that guy, he's, he, no one's even mentioning him at all. But I, I just – I have the bone to pick with the Vucevic situation – and I, I understand why they allowed Ben Simmons in there. Doesn't make it right. But Vooch has to be where you're saying we put Ben Simmons in because the Sixers are winning. They are the, first, the top seed. But you can't vote positively on the 12th seeded Magic other than the fact that then Bradley Beal, who led the league in scoring last year, would have made it. I know you mentioned it earlier, but that's how puzzling this situation is. There's no rhyme or reason here. And I think in the end, the Pacers are the team that once again gets disrespected. And it's just – it's a cycle going here that, you know, we got to spin this as, hey, this will motivate them even more. Whatever it is that we're going to have to do to spin it, it's just not right. Uh, and, and you know what? People can come at us and say – it's not a fair argument. They're both deserving. Get get off my lawn. I, I don't care. Everybody that's in consideration for the All-Star game is deserving. There's no doubt about it. But at the same time, it's like, okay, let's reward a guy that's on a bad team. Oh, well, that's not fair. He can't help that his teammates are injured. Okay. Would it have happened for most of the other Pacers? Look, you can go back to 08-09 when Danny Granger made it and say, well, the Pacers were a bad team then, and they got a player. But look, the Eastern Conference was a lot different back then, too. Yeah. It wasn't nearly as loaded as it is now. It's loaded right now. The Eastern it, Conference is loaded. And you're you're looking at a guy who people were laughing about last year, Julius Randle, a guy that nobody even took seriously. Mm-hmm. Zach Levine, same thing. And they took that leap with their team this year, and they made the team. But look, we're only two-thirds of or one-third of the season in right now. All-star voting does not usually happen this early. So we've only played 29 games out of a possible 72 games. Usually you're, you know, over the halfway point when you do this. And I think this definitely played a factor in this year's voting. I think had we seen Zach Levine and and Julius Randle and Vucevic and all those guys do that for 50-plus games before they were voting, uh, before the voting uh, was made or final, then maybe, maybe yes, then then maybe you could say they're more deserving. But we're in a small sample size and if you look at the beginning of the season for DeMontis Sabonis, I mean, remember when they were uh, top two and top three, him and Brogdon, for MVP oh, votes? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, yes, that's where reference had them up there after the first couple of weeks. And so they had a couple bad weeks, and all of a sudden those can't, like, balance each other out. That make a lot of sense. So, sure, we can be annoyed. We can be frustrated. We can feel like we're getting disrespected, which we are because it's Indiana Pacers basketball. Yep. Always gets disrespected. And if you want to talk about someone else who I felt like got disrespected, not even a Pacer player, but I thought Chris Middleton was very much uh, deserving of an all-star bid as well. And I think it should have been Middleton and and Sabonis over Ben Simmons and Vucevic. I I completely agree. Like, Like I mentioned Middleton before. Middleton is someone that no one on Twitter is going to bat for right now. The Bucs have the wins to back it up, and Middleton is having a career year. And he had been an all-star in the past, so it's not like it's kind of like a fluke. It's like that guy deserved more credit. I feel like 
you made a great point in terms of how it's just a different year in terms of how the limited games right now, because I truly believe that the past week of Ben Simmons, you know, he had back-to-back really good games. I think that that propelled him over. And and for Vooch, I mean, the Magic right now, they're dropping games like crazy. I think that the fact that he's had to take on a bigger role kind of propelled him lately. And it's just, it's just a shame because if we did have this conversation maybe two weeks from now and Sabonis is back on track, which I fully believe that he'll be more than back on track, I think things would have been different. And it, it's just – it's upsetting that we need to do this again. Uh, I mean, I understand, you know, what happened with Brogdon. Brogdon, you know, he had a rough stretch, and he, he did slip out of the all-star consideration. Sure, I get it. But Sabonis, man, that one's tough. Now it is. And look, I mean, the Pacers paid a lot of money to have these campaigns done, trying their best to get these guys in. But quite frankly, I will say this. A fan reached out to me yesterday, a friend of mine on, on Twitter, after listening to the podcast that I did last night with Mark Schindler and Rhett Bauer, and basically said, man, you guys did not stand up for Sabonis at all. Came back and said, I hear other podcasts, you know, clamoring for their guys to make it and laying out the case, but it feels like most of the Pacers podcasts and articles that I've read have pretty much just downgraded the Pacers as, as a, you know, and not worthy of getting an all-star basically. And I don't know if I necessarily agree with that from last night's podcast. I think that we were all like, oh, they're in consideration. I had Sabonis making it. I know Mark and Red did not, but I, I think what it comes down to is look, Pacer nation has to be more, more vocal. They have to be more active. Look, I agree. I mean, it's it's you see the same 30, 40 people retweeting the same stuff trying to get these guys to the all-star game. Then everybody wants to I see more people complaining about them not making the all-star game than then I saw them voting. So uh, that's a very fair point right it, there. I, I this is a, a challenge. Of, wow. This is a challenge to Pacer Nation. If you want your guy in the all-star game, you can't rely on the coaches to get him in. You got to get out there and vote every single day. You know, we, we've been talking a lot about voting this past year because it was an election year and how getting out and having a voice, making a change. Uh, I'm just going to say this for next year's all-star game. It's going to be stiffer competition than you already have right now because these guys, you know, I don't see a lot of player movement happening in this offseason. I, I mean, it always does, but I, I think that we're going to see the same guys and you got to think Miami's going to probably be better. So it, it's going to mm-hmm. be stiffer competition. I, I just want to challenge everybody, get out there next year and vote even more than you did this year. And if you voted and you were faithful and you're a listener of this podcast and you voted every day, you were awesome. You're a part of the change. But we got to continue to do it and we got to continue to hammer home voting, voting, voting. Because I was on Facebook today. I don't know I'm going long here. And basically, we just reshared our, our, our Kevin Pritchard uh, quote on Carousel Vert's injury update. And somebody said, wow, you guys really are buying into this management crap. Yeah, going to bring a guy that wasn't even coming off the bench for a sad Nets team and, you know, going to oh make the God. make the Pacers better. It's like if you have that kind of mentality and you're and you're that kind of person and you're a fan of the team, there's fans like that everywhere. But it's like, you know, we don't need that energy. We need energy that's going to motivate and uplift this team, even though they're only one game above 500 and they have been struggling. Sure. I just think that it's only fair to say besides besides the Brooklyn Nets. The Indiana Pacers are the only team in the top six with a, a winning record on the road. Yeah, I mean, you made a good point. If we're not going to fight for our own guys, I can promise you the media isn't. This was well, the first time. The media had them fourth. 
That's what's funny. The, the, the player voting and the fan voting had him low. And I think that might have played into it, Flatch. It, it very well might have. I mean, I could honestly say I was shocked to see a guy like Kendrick Perkins go to bat for Sabonis before. It made me be like, wow, you know what? This, this is a mega snub. I mean, even we talked off air before. TNT had a clean sweep for Sabonis making it. I was shocked to see that. And then he didn't make the game. I mean, this was like the first time I feel like someone actually was like, no, 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 he's an all-star. We all agree on that. And then and then the coaches vote comes in and, and, and oh my God. I mean, look, call it like it is. I, I knew Sabonis wasn't gonna start in the all-star game through the fan vote. That was never really gonna happen. I, I get it. But the coaches, come on. I mean, it, it's a it's a shame. I need to know either what the criteria is. But we got to talk about expanding this roster from 12 to 15 because the East is so stacked right now that when you even mention about the lack of player movement, I went through the list and I'm pretty sure everybody is signed moving forward that made the All-Star game in the East. I mean, maybe you're talking about one guy out of 12, but when you even include, you know, the the guys that were snubbed, I mean, you know, you're – Trey Youngs and Chris Milton's and your Gordon Haywards and your Pascal Siakams and your Tobias Harris, those guys are all signed. Yeah. I mean, it's it's these guys aren't going anywhere. So are we always going to have some – this – and I, I get it, Alex, more – the NBA is so talented right now where there is more 20 points per game scores this year than ever before. Yeah, the, so, def- the defense is not as not as exactly. solid as it once was, and there's a lot of faster-paced offense. Yep. yep. So when you have teams putting up 125-plus a game on average, I'm not sure if that's really what they're averaging, but it feels like a lot of games are in that scoring range. You know, you're going to get more numbers. But here's what I'm going to say, because I'm not trying to cut you off, but no. we, we had Kevin Pritchard on last week, right? And so one of the things he said is, look, we're never going to get that, you know, superstar elite-level player. Like, that's not – something that we normally get happen unless it comes through the draft. So they've built this team once Warren and Levert are healthy to be a, to be a, a strength by committee. That's, that's the way this team is built. This team does not have a Giannis. It does not have a Kevin Durant. It does not have a Joel Embiid. It doesn't even have a Jason Tatum or, um, or a Jalen Brown, like guys that are just, you know, th- if you look at the Celtics, there's plenty of holes that you can poke in their roster. But I think if you look at a team like Toronto, who's won four in a row, they just jumped Boston in the standings. They're now fifth and would be our playoff matchup. This is where Nate Bjorken came from. Nick Nurse has a team of solid players. Kyle Lowry has not played great this year, but he's still a really good player you can count on. Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, Norman Powell is someone that's really stepped up this year and played well to, uh, the last you know half of the beginning of the season. So, I just think really when it comes down to it, this Pacer team, they might not have a top 30 player on their roster. You, you can argue if Sabonis is or not. I would say probably he is right now, but let's say top 20. They probably don't have a top 20 player in the NBA on their roster, but that's not how they're built. Nope. So so to us, the only real case that we have besides getting out and voting is basically hoping the coaches recognize the way this team is built, the way this team plays, and the amount of numbers, like the numbers that these guys are putting up and they're asked to do. Because really, if you think about it, based on what some people see Sabonis as, um, he's over-exceeding what he should be doing. 
if, if you don't think he's a, a top 25 player, but he's putting up the numbers he's putting up, then he's over exceeding expectations. And he's on a winning basketball team. I don't care if it's just one game above 500. They're fourth in the Eastern Conference. And that used to matter. I think this year it doesn't. Exactly when you said over exceeding expectations. I've talked about, I've beat it nonstop on this podcast that I do not understand how Sabonis continuously improves each year. Sure, from a shooting percentage standpoint, like there's been random times where, you know, he struggled a little bit at the rim. This man has improved. He has continuously taken on more responsibilities and gotten better and better each year. When we go back to Ben Simmons, he has not improved. He has not added a jumper or anything to his game. He is not exceeding the expectations. Yes, he's a really good two-way player. So, okay, I understand the argument. If you're going to reward winning, I get it. But Savonis is accomplishing both. He's checking the boxes, and I just don't understand right there where, where there's where we're missing. What's what's the problem there? You know, we're never going to get any answers there. I thought Jeremiah Johnson had a great tweet. You know, we find out who the All NBA voters are and who they voted for. Are we going to find who the coaches voted for? No, we're not. But I would love to see it, and I would love to to see the the amount of teams and who didn't vote for Sabonis and see how many of those teams that we played. Because the teams that we played, I feel like they know exactly what he's about. Steve Nash went, went to bat for Sabonis a few weeks back, maybe about a month ago, saying that guy's an all-star. Nash knows, and I believe other coaches know. It's just sad that not enough realized it this year. Oh, yeah, it, it is what it is. And, you know, everybody's going to have their opinions and everyone's going to have their say. And, you know, it's, it, it's, it's fine. You know, if you want to look at the advanced stats and they might say the Pacers are better without Sabonis on the floor or they're a plus 15 over 100 possessions when Sabonis isn't playing, then sure, we can get into the numbers and, and, and look really deep into it if we want to get into that. But if, if you really want to watch basketball, then sometimes I feel like you just got to put the numbers away a little bit and just watch what happens on the court. Numbers are good and fine, but I think numbers are exaggerated a little bit too much. And especially with people that love the statistical side of things, the analytical things of basketball, it's not my thing. I'm just going to come out and say it. I enjoy parts of it. I think it's important to the game. I think it's important to learn certain things. But if you really think this team is better with Sabonis off the floor, then I, I don't think you're really watching this basketball. Not saying that people that are into the, into the big analytics and stuff like that are that way. But for some people that want to use that statistic to try to downgrade the Pacers, it just makes you look bad. And it's sad to see that people hate on, you know, the guys that they consider their their team's best player. And, uh, you know, some people say they're not fans. Some people say that they're just covering the team. Some people don't even really, you know, care one way or the other. They just try to be as uh, unbiased as possible. And I respect that. But I, But I think from a perspective, if you're trying to uplift your team or talk positively about your team, putting out statistics to try to put your team down. Uh, I just, I, I have a hard time with it. It, it. It's frustrating. And I think fans get frustrated with it too, because then fans start to buy in that, oh, a player's not good. Like you, you can literally, I've seen some fans be like, oh, Sabonis is not good. It's like, no, Sabonis was struggling for a couple of weeks, but that's understandable. Nobody plays a perfect 82 game start regular season. No, not at all. And I just think that there's, Guys, there is too many fans right now that are discouraged with this team rather than excited about what's going to come. I mean, the news that we're getting lately of Levert being close to returning, I mean, we could have TJ Warren back by the end of the year. If you don't think that those two players are going to make this team significantly better, then I think you got to take a look in the mirror and that you're being way too hard on this team 
The Pacers are fourth. They're above the Boston Celtics. We should be looking at the Celtics as a team that's underperforming. And a, and a ton of other teams, the Miami Heat, I mean, all those teams, those are underperforming teams. But the Pacers being above 500 with two of their top guys out having traded what was just your, your face of the franchise, I mean, we should be looking at this saying, I can't wait or just wait until instead of, oh, my God, you know, the, this, that, you know. Oh, like we're better with Sabonis on the bench. Like, no, guys, come on, get our team together. This is already a team that's exceeding what other teams are, are, are doing right now. I mean, looking at the Celtics, like I said before, that was a team where everyone's thinking, okay, great, this could be Boston's year. No, this, this, and that. You know, Toronto started out really, really rough. Oh, the Atlanta Hawks, they're going to be better than the Pacers. Now, the Pacers right now have outperformed those teams at, at running at about. 75% of their roster. So I think the best is yet to come. I, I agree, Fachi. And, you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> if there's any year to get snubbed, this is the year to do it because we're in the middle of a pandemic and it's, it is what it is. I mean, we're passionate about it because we just get tired of seeing, we just get tired of seeing the state of Indiana get disrespected. It, it, it is an old narrative and it does get very annoying because I get tired of acting that same way too. But at the same time, like, <sighs> It, it just gets a little bit frustrating. And I understand why some players get frustrated because they don't get the respect here. I mean, it's been very vocalized pretty much since Roy Hibbert. Uh, in the, um, <laughs> I think it was in the playoffs in the postgame conference. Yep. It's like, y'all don't watch us play. Mm -hmm. So pretty much since then, it's been one of those things Pacer fans always fall back on. But all I got to say is, look, you mentioned that this team is going to be good when, when fully healthy. And honestly, if they can use this week off that they've just had to get themselves ready for the rest of the season, uh, make a strong push towards the end of the All-Star break. I mean, all I, all I hope is that right now this snub of DeMontis Sabonis in the All-Star game motivates him to look in the mirror and say, they don't, they don't see me as an All-Star level player. I mean, I wasn't even mentioned as a, uh, a snub on Shams' list. Like, I hope he has that tweet pinned to his phone every morning where he sees it to just go out there and have that extra motivation to prove why he is or should be considered an all-star uh, for the future. Hey, he should tack it on his wall right above his bed. Whatever he's got to do, Alex, there is no better way to show the, the entire nation than tomorrow on ESPN against the Warriors – Finally, the Pacers have another primetime game. I know the one against the Bucs didn't go well, but at least Sabonis in that game, he did have a career high, and you never want to pat someone on the back when you lose by, like, you know, they were down, like, 40. <laughs> but uh, I just want to at least say, if you watched that game, you at least saw, hey, he looked good. The team looked horrible. But this is another shot against the Warriors, ESPN, a team that we already beat this year, and why not do it again? And I, I would love to see Sabonis use this as motivation tomorrow night. No, yeah, use it as motivation. I mean, sure. I mean, I didn't think Turner or, or Brogdon were really going to be in that conversation. Yeah, it was it was nice when the Pacers were playing well at the beginning of the season to talk about it because I really think they were playing at all an all-star level uh, level of play. But, you know, consistently, like, just Sabonis had the numbers, and that's just what it comes down to. It, it is a numbers game. It is a statistical thing when you look at a box score. That's what a lot of these people look at when they're picking their teams because – Quite frankly, with 30 teams in the NBA, you cannot watch every game. You cannot watch and dissect every single basketball game there is. There's not enough time in the day for it. So you have to kind of pick and choose what you dive into, who you listen to podcast-wise, try to get a feel for things. 
and you know you can maybe tune in every night and watch some of the game but if you're trying to watch pacers you know bucks but there's raptor celtics on like <laughs> you have you can't watch everything that's what i'm trying to say so it's 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 exciting though that the pacers have had this week off i'm going to say that again one more time because i really want to emphasize i i, I think at the end of the day, the goal is to win a championship. The goal is to win in the playoffs. It's not about making an all-star game. It's good for the individual incentive. But at the end of the day, this is about winning in the rate or winning in the playoffs. And I really, really, really hope that this team can get fully healthy and that we can get a little bit of a motivated Pacers roster that feels like they're being disrespected heading into this you know second or whatever stretch second half stretch of the uh of the regular season oh 100 especially for Sabonis who didn't get to play in last year's playoffs he's got to be itching to be able to show this on the main stage and I feel like even Miles Turner is honestly if you look at Miles' social media lately you could tell that's a guy that's happy right now I mean he is he is interacting with fans a lot more and he just seems like when he's playing better and he's got that going, he's happier. And I feel like he knows that the, the same thing with Brogdon. This is a team that is not getting the respect that they feel that they deserve. And they want to show it. They want to take that respect. They want to earn it. And I feel like they will once it's once everything is said and done. And in the pace, we weren't going to hang a banner that said Sabonis, you know, 2021 All-Star. You know, that was never going to happen. That's not the thing. This is a team game. Yes, all that stuff's fun. I would – Love if the coaches all pulled their money together and gave Sabonis that $1.3 million. They robbed him of, but I know it's not going to happen. So we got to move on, and we got to just put our best foot forward. Like you mentioned, Pacers have been off for about a week. I, I think this is a team that needed that rest. I think they're yeah. going to respond pretty well, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and I and I have some breaking news here, Fachi. So we're doing this. Uh, we started around 7.35, so in the middle of our conversation – um, the guy that we've kind of been slandering a little bit at the beginning of the podcast, Nikola Vucevic, has suffered an injury and has left the game and lock, went to the locker room. Uh, it's unsure of what or how serious the injury is, but it does not sound like it's great. They said he was walking gingerly to the locker room. So not trying to hate on anybody because I do think Vuce has the numbers that's worthy of an all-star. Like, that's no, mm-hmm. there's no doubt about it. No, he does. He does. And so I just want to say, we don't wish any ill will Never. towards anybody. So if anybody's like, oh, wow, you guys are disrespectful after he got hurt. Like, no, that wasn't the case. So just for context purposes, uh, don't want him to be hurt. But that being said, um, that could open up a spot. I already said I don't want the Pacers to have any guys get in there. But I do think if there's a center uh, that goes out, then I think that could means something positive for Sabonis getting in there. Only reason I'd want it is if because if Sabonis get, did become an injury reserve, he would get that 1.3 yeah. uh, incentive. Yeah, obviously never, ever wish an injury upon no man. I know that's you know not what we're doing here, and you, we wish Vooch nothing but a speedy recovery. From from a personal standpoint, yes, he is having a great year. We, 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 we fought the good fight to say why, unfortunately, he should be a snub, but – I hope I wish him nothing but a speedy recovery, and uh, you know, hopefully he's able to get back out there. Yeah, and, and you, we we could find out what that uh, exactly is by by the end of this podcast, but um, not not sure if we will because the game's going to be going on for a while before we're uh, once we're done. But long story short, it was just a uh, disappointing night for Pacer fans to not see one of their guys make the team. And Pacers Twitter is very upset. I see some people going to bat against Pacers Twitter saying. Uh, winning winning doesn't matter that much. It's individual stats and 
whatever. But to me, it's just a double standard because winning has mattered so much in previous seasons. It, it, it really just kind of makes you wonder what changed this year. Is it just because of COVID? Is it just because of uh, circumstances? You know what I mean? Because it, it always feels like winning has mattered at least somewhat. Oh man, it does. When I when I brought up that Kyle Corver All Star nomination, that was nothing more than a winning team. And and I mean, I just remember when that used to be the case. And this year, like I mentioned, it was for so many different factors. I feel like they just chucked all that out the window right now because I mean, you can make an argument that while you know we talked about with the Celtics, while Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum are, are, are really good players, the team's not playing that well right now. So. There could have been a snub there, but you know what? Hey, it, it's just a it's a strange year for the NBA. I get it, but I want to hit on one thing. Everybody was so vocal last year when Bradley Beal got snubbed that I hope even 75% of that can carry over into Sabonis' situation for next year to get him back where he deserves to be. No, it's exactly right. And, um, you know, maybe if Sabonis became the hottest trade target in the NBA, then he would make the all-star team as uh, as fans vote for him because all their fans want to see Bradley Beal on their roster. And I think that might have been part of the case with Vucevic. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't really sound like something you, you talk about, but the Magic are on a bad are in a bad situation right now. I know they're only five games below 500 and they've won three in a row. But I'm just telling you, like the Orlando Magic are not more than more than likely not going to make the playoffs. Yeah. They've got too many injuries now with the Vooch going down. To me personally, I think that like a team like Boston could use a center. They didn't want Miles Turner, but hey, maybe they want Vucevic because he's an all-star level player, right? You know, and I think if there's a team that wants a center, I understand that Andre Drummond might be cheaper to get. But I, I think for money-wise, money purposes, Vooch might even be cheaper contract-wise. I'm not even sure. Than, um, than Andre Drummond, but I think he's a more attractive player to go out after and get, Definitely. clearly, clearly. So, I mean, there could be some of that in there. Play- coaches lobbying, trying to make a push for a guy like Vooch. I mean, it, it's weird, man. We've seen it happen before. Transactions are the thing that pushes this league. Um, it feels like it pushes the ratings. And so, um, anyway, all I got to say is it didn't happen. We can't dwell on it. No reason to get bitter. Get better is my my favorite saying in life because if you get bitter about things and you don't let them go, then you're just going to hold grudges and it's not going to work out good for you. So get uh, get better, uh, and hopefully this Pacers team is motivated to go on a huge run, and hopefully by next year, Fachi, we'll see uh, maybe maybe two All-Stars uh, once we get our team fully healthy. Hey, you definitely never know about that. I mean, who knows? For all we know, TJ Warren, if he was healthy, he could have been in the running. I mean, we could have had two there. Maybe we could have been, you know, going back and forth between Brogdon and Sabonis and, and TJ Warren. And, you know, no disrespect to Miles Turner. He's obviously having a great year. They, they just they just don't, you know, reward defense like that. Yeah. Um, but at the same point, yeah, you know, I'm just excited. I just miss this team, Alex. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. This has been a long break. To, to see, it's weird because there's so much other basketball going on right now. There's no Pacer basketball. I feel like we're, like, left out, you know? Like, like we were almost one of the teams not invited to the bubble. You know, you're watching everybody have fun. I feel like that that SpongeBob meme where, where Squidward's looking outside and Patrick and SpongeBob are playing, you know? I'm like, I want to do that. I want to watch the boys again. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, that, and that honestly could be part of it. Think of the Pacers. I mean, look at the last game Sabonis had. Wasn't it, like, 30-some points and 17 rebounds? Yeah. 
like a huge game against the, the Timberwolves, <laughs> who aren't very good, but but a big statistical night. Then he could have played against Houston and San Antonio before the votes came out. And, and had he had two good games, then, and the Pacers were on a three-game winning streak, who knows? And that at that point, they could have been 17-14 and 14 with a much better record and possibly third in the East, and maybe that changes the coaches' votes. Not saying it could, not saying it did or did not, but it could have. It could have uh, could have persuaded them. So, yeah, I, I feel you, man. I feel you with that SpongeBob meme. <laughs> it's uh, I really have not turned on the TV much since the Pacers haven't played. Uh, in a week. I mean, uh, I did get a little bit of my Bachelor in last night towards the end on my phone. I was watching that. Uh, my wife's been watching a little bit of the Avengers, starting that series back up on Disney Plus. Uh, so yeah, it's just. Uh, one of those things, man, it's just like, I'm so ready. I cannot wait to watch the Pacers on Wednesday night. It's been way too long, and I'm really hoping that we can pull out a victory. Um, I'm ready for it. And just even throw it in there because it's so easy to forget. That same game we were talking about where, hey, didn't Sabonis have 36 and 17? Yeah. Well, you know what, Alex? He also had 10 assists in that game. That's how dominant he was. It was another triple-double, his third on the year. It's just, look, we could go on and on about – you know, all the accomplishments he's done. But at the same point, hey, it wasn't right. We're going to put our best foot forward. So, you know, after we finish this episode, we will try our best not to dwell on this as much. I know before we got on here, I was just waiting. I think I was like foaming up at the mouth of anger from this, just firing off tweets left and right. I mean, they, I could not stop. I couldn't put these thumbs down because I just feel like it was a crime. So, Hey, you know what? I got it off my chest. Hopefully I can sleep tonight. I'm going to try. But for now, whew, Alex, they messed with the wrong fan base. No, they did. <laughs> but uh, I, I think a lot of um, a lot of Phoenix fans are disappointed that Devin Booker did not make yeah. it. Uh, I completely agree with that. I thought Devin Booker should have made it. And, you know, recency bias, I, d I do think, had a big factor in it because – Look, Zion Williamson has been great this year. Don't get me wrong. Been He's been lately, on fire. Sure. But the the way they've changed things in the last three weeks, giving yep. him the ball more, letting him kind of be the guy and taking that role away from Brandon Ingram a little bit, it, had, it catapulted him into that conversation, and he may have jumped Devin Booker. Had he been playing in that same role and the Pelicans would have continued to kind of, you know, go back and forth about around a 500 record, I think. It felt like they were playing under 500. You know, the Pacers game against them was uh, – the one that the Pacers lost by one, it felt like, you know, New Orleans was starting to change things a little bit then, but they still weren't fully changed to who they are now. And now they've just really given Zion the ball and to get the heck out of the way, let him kind of control things. And I think that that recency bias was good for him. And I also think the league wants Zion in the All-Star game. They do. They very much want to find, you know, the next face of the NBA. Yeah. And, you know, I think that Zion is is a good candidate. I mean, he's he's playing great. So it, why not try and push that narrative for yeah. sure? And get him even more exposure. Well, and then you also look at like the fans' votes for Zach Levine. Like Chicago is a huge NBA hub. Massive. So uh, I think that there's reason to get him in there because he's a very popular player, and I think some he's somebody that could be moved. I think the New York Knicks. I, I think the NBA wants the Knicks to be good again. And now that the they Knicks very are, much do. Yeah. And now that they're somewhat relevant and, and, and you have a guy like Julius Randle who's having an all-star level season, giving him that opportunity to get in there, I, I think that's good for the big markets. And I think the NBA kind of maybe encouraged that. I'm not saying they did, but I'm saying it wouldn't shock me if that was someone into it because, I mean, who knows? They don't ever release the coaches' votes. So I'd be curious to see how the coaches voted and where the guys ranked um, just because it's, it's really hard. 
to kind of go through. But I mean, if Sabonis was really, really close, then I wouldn't be as upset. But if he was like super like way down the list on where they had him, not even fire me up even more because oh, yeah. we have no idea what these coaches voted. And honestly, you know, it, it is what it is, like you said. But I'm uh, I'm, I'm over it now. We talked about it. We talked it out. And I think once you talk it out, you get all that emotion out, let it rest. Hopefully the fans can kind of feel that same energy of frustration. But, hey, you know, we're here to win for the playoffs. We're here to win. Um, our, we're here to win as many games as we can in the playoffs. And here is hoping that our guys can get healthy and uh, that we can have a great rest of the regular season. Oh, the, the future is going to be bright. We just got to get there. We Like we said, coming off a decent little uh, rest right now. Hey, you know, if you're going to spin it anyway, Sabonis should be very well rested during that all-star break when other guys are very much complaining about playing in the game. So it's another opportunity to, to get this team healthy and, and push forward. And for that, I could be more excited. Absolutely. So Fachi, it's uh it's been a it's a bit of a fun time talking to you. Um, I hope that everybody stays on the lookout because we have some more exciting news coming up uh in the in the near future. And we're uh not guest related, but it is good news for the podcast. So I uh, just wanted to throw that out there and we appreciate you guys support so much. Um, you guys did a great job of, of, of listening to the Kevin Pritchard podcast and um, one of our best podcasts to date. So thank you so much for your continued support of setting the pace. And uh, hopefully you guys uh, are hope- loving the content, even if it's not uh, with the Pacers president of basketball operations. <laughs> Couldn't thank you guys enough. I think we truly have the best listeners out there. Love interacting with everybody on Twitter. You guys are obviously just as passionate about this fan base, if not more than I am. And that's what we love. So thank you very much for everything. Faji, you know what? I almost forgot. We did have a couple of fan questions, mailbag questions. You want to go through those real quick? Let's do it. All right. So from our man, Zachary Barnett, uh, he said, what player has surprised you the most with their growth this season? He goes on to say, who's been the biggest disappointment and what do you think the reason is? So, most surprising and most disappointing. I'll let you start off with this one, Fudge. Sure. Uh, most surprising or, you know, I would probably say Miles Turner. I feel like Miles has really just, I don't know, man. There's something about it. I've mentioned it a ton of times in the show. The confidence, I think, has been just sky high. And I think at times he's been dominant. I mean, th- there's some nights where he is in absolute force to be reckoned with on both sides of the ball. But defensively, I think he's taken his game to the next level. And for that – I love what I've seen out of Miles. Most disappointing, unfortunately, it's got to be Aaron Holiday. Aaron Holiday is someone I have had a soft spot for, really feeling like he could be a nice 10 points per game score off the bench, shoot maybe like 38% from three, something like that. Alex, it's not an exaggeration. Going through the numbers of the worst true shooting percentage in the NBA, Aaron Holiday is number one. And uh, that's not a stat you want to be at the top of. So, unfortunately, <laughs> I got to go Aaron Holiday. Yeah, I think I'm going to agree with you there on my biggest disappointment, uh, Aaron Holiday. It's not been a great year for him. And as far as the surprise goes, like, I think Miles is a good answer. I think another answer for me is TJ McConnell. And a lot of it just goes into my expectations because I truly felt when Bjorkman took over the team that it was going to be the Aaron Holiday with the backcourt show uh, with the second unit. And I thought McConnell might get slid down into that third unit. Uh, or that third string point guard kind of be more of a mentor type thing. I just didn't see like him fitting in with this modern offense. And look, this three point shot is still ugly as I'll get out. Uh, he said a couple more than I ever expected him to, and he's yeah. working on it and he's getting better at it. So I don't want to hit on him too much, but 
I, I just got to say the way this team plays when he's on the floor, it's just maybe it's not the most impressive, but he's just been really good in the system. And I, I've, I've enjoyed some of the times when they've closed games with him, letting Malcolm play off ball a little bit. I know they started McConnell. Um, what was it, against the Bulls when McDermott didn't play? But yep. they didn't really use McConnell as the on-ball point guard. They kind of used him off-ball, which shouldn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So I, I think that it's been fun to kind of see him play with Malcolm at times. Um, him and McDermott, it's a bonus, have such great chemistry together. The three of them are awesome. I mean, McDermott's another guy that you could really put into this list as well because of the way that he's just been so beneficial for the Pacers. And it's like he's been their best best option as the fifth starter with Holiday, Sabonis, Turner, and Brogdon. So not what you probably expected, but it's just been one of those years where it's been weird and different, and he's not even shooting the three ball well, but he's just been really good all over. I think when you say most surprising, TJ McConnell, I think it is the better answer there than Miles Turner, because we know Miles Turner has a lot of talent, but TJ McConnell, I mean, we've talked about, oh my God. I mean, even Kevin Pritchard was mentioning that guy is pesky as can be and defensively. He has been a stud this year, whether it's the energy he brings, just always being like a gnat in the backcourt, being able to get a steal and a quick basket, whatever it is. I mean, McConnell, is I would say, has been the most surprising. For sure, for sure. So let's move on to question number two. This comes from KingGZC26. He wants to know, how do you view the Turbonus rebounding and defense? Is this, is the, do the Pacers need to add the uh, depth of the forward position? Um, I'll let you answer this one first, Watch. Uh, the Turbonus rebounding and defense. I mean, obviously you're getting stud defense from Miles Turner. I think that Sabonis at times has been, you know, a bit further out in the perimeter, kind of chasing around a lot. And I, I think he has improved defensively. I think rebounding as, as a team, they, uh, that's probably what's frustrated me the most about this team for quite a while now. I think that they need a lot of help on the rebounding effort, but I think that comes from everybody individually. And do they need an extra forward? Yes, they definitely do. I, I think that, you know, you've mentioned on Twitter, other people have, man, I miss Thad Young. A guy like that, I would love to have for some, some depth at the four position. I feel like right now I don't love the options at depth at, at the four, you know, over there. I mean, I feel like we're not even really playing Jakar Sampson that much anymore unless it's in case of an emergency. So I would love some depth on this team. I just feel like after they made the move for Levert, I don't see them really kind of making a whole nother move. I don't know what, what they who they could bring in that would take away playing time from, you know, maybe Goga or someone else. And they need help, but I just don't know if they'll add anyone else to this team. Yeah, defensively, I think a lot of it's just the position these guys are asked to play. Yep. Um, Sabonis being asked to play the four, which, you know, they have to do because the best lineups to me are, are when Turner and Sabonis are on the floor together. You can argue that all you want, but right now without Warren, without Levert, I think that, you know, they're your, they're two of your top three players. So you have to have them on the court together quite a bit and they're going to get beat sometimes and they're going to have success sometimes. But to me, I just think the defense, you know, asking Domas to kind of switch on the guards and, play these high pick and rolls and pressure guys out at the top of the key. It's like, I don't understand if that's really the, why they're doing that, why that makes a lot of sense for Domas, because he's not like super quick on his feet at all. Um, he can hold his own in the post. I mean, he's not going to block shots, but he's not going to be pushed down either. He's very strong. So, I mean, he's a better defender than people give him credit for. I mean, Turner has been unreal, but you know, the rebounding, it's been more of a Domas dominant thing than miles, but 
I think a lot of it, like I posted a video about it and I know that some people like kind of gave me some feedback on it and said that they didn't agree with my take, but really when it comes down to it, it's just like, you got to make contact. It's a, it's a collective thing. It's not just a Turbonus thing. Um, when, when Turner's leaving his man to go block a shot, then that guard has to get in position to rebound the basketball and block out the guy that Turner left. It's just, it's just part of it. Or whoever was beat off the dribble that Turner is now helping out at the rim They've got to go over there and find that man or figure out the rotation. And I think a lot of that's just communication. And and I wish the Pacers would not all crash the glass as hard as they do because they're getting beat a lot on long rebounds. It's not even like those mm-hmm. little rebounds right around the rim because they're, they're pretty good at securing those. It's those long ones off, off three-point shots that are getting the team second looks. Um, and, and that's how I feel about that. As far as the depth goes, like, you know, Goga is a guy that – I just don't necessarily love his fit next to Turner and Sabonis. Like he's fine by the solo guy, but if you're talking about a power forward, like it's just not who he is. And Jakar yeah, I agree. is what he is. You know, they traded TJ Leaf, a guy that they were hoping would be in that rotation. Um, maybe when Warren comes back, he can play a little bit small ball four, but still, yeah. but still, I think that, you know, I, I mentioned him before a veteran guy like PJ Tucker, somebody like that, just somebody that brings a little bit of nastiness. Even if he doesn't improve your rebounding, he improves your defense. Uh, somebody that can just bring some nastiness at that forward position would be beneficial. So uh, any thoughts on that, Fudge? No, I mean, I completely agree. A guy like Tucker, if you could add him, I mean, that'd be great. But he's going to have a, a ton of suitors. I just don't see the Pacers really, you know, kind of poning up for, I believe, uh, the, the last year of P.J. Tucker's deal. You know, I don't think this is a uh, P.J. Tucker away from being a championship team this year. So it, it's going to be tough. But a guy like that would be great to add to this team. So I'm just looking forward to getting T.J. Warren back, who can play the four as well. Yeah, I am too. I think it's going to make our team a lot better, and we're going to see a lot of different variations of what this team can actually be. Um, but moving forward, we have two more questions. Uh, Meyer Rothbaum wants to know, right now, would you trade Miles and Doug for Gordon Hayward Fachi? What's your answer? I'm going to go with no, because this team defensively has had their issues. Uh, I couldn't imagine how much worse they would be without Miles Turner. Um, I think that Gordon Hayward, while in the beginning of the year, was actually having a ridiculous year. I think he's come a little bit down lately. He's still having a very good year. But also, let's not act like Doug McDermott is just, you know, some chopped liver. McDermott's actually (laughs) having a career year for for his standards. So both those guys right there, you know, kind of give the Pacers flexibility moving forward to be able to re-sign T.J. Warren. And who knows what the future holds. So, you know, offensively, this is an offensive league, but – the Pacers would have a ton of issues defensively. Yeah, I think at the contract that Hayward has now, so if you made this trade now looking at the contract, then no, I would not do this trade. But if we're talking about um, if you go back in time and you could get Hayward for – 20 McDermott, million less, you know? Like, well, like for, for the four about. years, I'm talking maybe yes. like $25 million a year instead of $30 million or 23 22 something like that, then I would probably do it because – Right now, with trading Oladipo, this team misses a facilitator. They miss another ball handler that can create. And, you know, Turner's done a really good job this year, and so has McDermott. They've had great years. I mean, they're two of the guys we talked about for our most improved, basically. So I don't want to knock on them. I just think Gordon Hayward's really, really good. And anytime I anytime I have to praise Gordon Hayward's in this deal, I have to kind of knock Miles, it feels like, or knock Doug. And it's not really meant to be that way. I just feel like if you could have Hayward with this team, sure, the defense might take a bit of a, a, a downfall. But I still think that Hayward's a better defender one-on-one than people give him credit for. 
if you watch his footwork, he's incredible at, at keeping his feet in front of the the, uh, the opposing uh, driver. And not, he's not he can't guard a lot of quick guys, but he can guard bigger guys. And that's the position the Pacers have struggled with the most this year. And it's been that that way for the last couple of years since they got rid of Thad, not being able to guard those forwards that are just a little bit bigger and a little bit faster. They cannot keep up with them. Um, and I'm not saying he would be a lockdown defender, but he's decent enough at that. I, I think that he would be a better matchup than some of the matchups we've had. So I would probably do it if it was the, a different salary. But for $30 million, I would have to say no. Yeah, the contract tips the scale for me for sure. So our, our last question is from Pepper Pitts. I kind of like that. Not sure what it means, but, hey, let's go with it. Um, is Brockton best as an off-ball guard instead of playing point? He has tunnel vision for Domas, and there is no ball movement or off-ball movement while he and Domas play their two-man game. When he is off the court, the bench plays with great pace and movement and share the ball. I mean, I don't know if you want to start on this one. I started on the last few. You tell me. You want to take this? Sure, I'll start. And here's what I'll say. Look, I think at the beginning of the year, the two-man game worked really well because Brogdon was hitting all the shots. Yes. And then all of a sudden he went on a bit of a, a – he went on downward spiral once they traded Oladipo. Often, our defenses started targeting him more. And when, one of the big things they did is they started going underneath the screen. So forcing him to shoot a lot, and he wasn't hitting those shots like he was before. So, you know, he has taken a bit of a step back. Look, I, talk, I talked about it last offseason, and people were like, no way, I would never do this. I said Trey Turner and Oladipo for Chris Paul, and I still stand by it. And here's why, because I think Chris Paul it would be a perfect fit next to Brogdon. I mean, Brogdon is a, is a lights-out shooter. Um, I think that he would be more of a better – I would think he would be a better shooter off-ball than he is on-ball, even though he's worked on that quite a bit. But the two-man game, it, it really it's you know, it's been their only source of consistent offense because yes. you really can't count on anybody else to bring it consistently every single night and put up that load. I mean, sure, there's been times where I felt like they've been forcing a little bit too much. Sure, they, they probably could move the ball a little bit better because the ball movement did kind of die there for a couple of weeks. I mean, the last time yeah. I felt like it was great was against the Hornets a couple of weeks ago uh, when they won that first game on a Wednesday mm-hmm. night. So Personally, Fachi, for me, I uh, I think that you can utilize Brogdon in both roles. I think he can play point guard fine, but I do agree with the point that the bench does play a little bit faster. I just don't see Bro- – I don't think Brogdon is a fast player. He's very poised, very slow, and he's not someone that usually gets above the rim. Like he did have that monster dunk against the, against the Timberwolves, which it was really quick, and he just like went up and like got it. But a lot of other times you don't see him get above the rim. It's not who he usually is. So – Overall, Fletch, that's kind of how I feel. What are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, guys. Brogdon, I don't believe, is a true point guard. I feel like he's kind of stuck in that kind of combo of, of, a, of a point guard, shooting guard like that. So he's not going to be the guy that, that ha- is going to get you, you know, 10-plus assists every single night. When T.J. McConnell is in the offense he, and he has the ball in his hands, he's running and gunning, he's moving, and the team's playing a lot faster. And I think at times you're getting more of a slower-paced offense with, with Brogdon. And, you know, I just think that he's, he's very, very good. He is. But it's hard to find a lot of true point guards in this league. It's kind of a dying thing a little bit. When you mentioned a guy like Chris Paul, like, that's a true point guard, one of the best point guards of this gener- of our generation. I mean, that guy improves every single team winning, you know, wherever he goes. And I, I think that, you know, Brogdon is a very good point guard, but he's never going to be that true point guard. So he's got a style. I mean, I, I love him. The two-man game, it's, it's only going to work for oh so long. 
Uh, I think that he's still kind of getting used to. It sounds weird to say because this is year two, you know, in this role, but it'll still continue to develop to become a true point guard. Yeah, and um, it's I don't even know if he's not a true point guard. I mean, I don't I don't even know if I think he's a combo guard. I think that he's tall enough that he can play that. He wants to be a point guard. That's the thing. To, he, yeah. he really sure. wants to be a point guard. I, I think maybe once there's a different lineup out there, we can see him be utilized differently because well, right now I think he will with Levert. Yeah, uh, with Levert, Levert can definitely handle the ball. And, and and we've seen Warren. You know what? Look what he did in the bubble. Like <laughs> the everything ran through him. I think that you can still have Brogdon kind of be that general out there. Yeah, and maybe point guard position positionless basketball has taken a lot. Uh, changed a lot. I shouldn't say taken a lot, but it's changed a lot um, of how people are viewed in this league. So it's like, sure, Brogdon is a point guard, quote unquote, but he can guard other guys. So maybe he is a combo guard. I think yeah. he wants to be a point guard. He can he wants do to. a lot of different things, Foch. Um, I mean, he guards a lot of bigger defenders or bigger players on the opposing teams. That's just who he is. So he's the best point guard the Pacers have had in years. Oh, so. oh yeah, without a doubt. Without <laughs> a doubt. Yeah, so it's like, is he really a point guard? It's like, he's the best point guard we've probably I, had since I, Mark I, Jackson. I, so. it, literally, I know. It's like, I don't want to be out here slandering the man. He definitely is the best point guard we have had in quite some time. But it's like, I just don't think it's like, comes absolutely 100% natural you know, in the NBA compared to some of the other very few, like a guy like Chris Paul, just as an example. Yeah. Like you can't be comparing everybody to Chris Paul, the guy who's literally like just climbed to the top 10 assist list of all time, you know, but it, it's just, I'm very happy with what we have with Brogdon and also Karis LeVert. I mean, in the bubble, he was the primary distributor for the Nets. I mean, there yeah. was no Kyrie Irving. That guy, I mean, I remember seeing him have 15 assists and one or two games in that playoff series against uh, Toronto. So he can definitely handle the ball, and I think that'll allow Brogdon to have some more freedom. But also, you know, Brogdon, I'm, I'm more than happy with him handling the ball. The guy's averaging back-to-back -back seven assist seasons. That can't be taken lightly. You know, he's very good. Oh, for sure, for sure. So – Anyways, uh, that wraps up our questions. We did have another one, but it was pretty much the same thing about why Brogdon is struggling. So long story short, uh, <laughs> hopefully this week off will help him get better and uh, we, can, we can see him there. So Fachi, go ahead and do the rundown for everybody where they can find us at. And, uh, and uh, I'll set you up for the last part of the pod. All right. Yeah, throw me that alley-oop at the end. So you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find me on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find my co-host Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. Find us on Instagram at PacersTalk. And Alex? You know what we say at the end of the day. The Pacers are back tomorrow. And I hope every fan is going to be on there living room floor standing up with their hands in the air saying these three words let's go pacers everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in if you are a woman over 35 magnesium will help you rediscover balance energy and vitality Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.